confidence because Praise God, everybody. Isn't it great to be in the house of God? I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And here we are tonight on a Wednesday night. We are blessed. Tonight I'm going to be doing some teaching. So I hope that uh, you came with a heart for the word of God. Praise God. I appreciate all that God is doing. I appreciate all that are walking in covenant with God. I noticed that since we've been doing the Givelify and, and the online giving, uh, I'm more in tune with those who have been faithful and those who are not. So just take that as a, uh, as a little counsel coming from pastor. Hallelujah. Let's believe God for the greatest and let's not doubt God. Let's let God bless us and and really have his way. Praise God. Well, amen. Lord, I lift up my voice to worship you, to praise you, to lift up your name. Father, I come against every foul and unclean spirit that would try to hinder people, God, from receiving your word or would try to drive a, 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 a barb, Lord God, into the relationship that they have with you. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that there would be unity of spirit. I pray that the love of God would abide in our hearts. I pray, Lord Jesus, that anything that would work against your people would be destroyed in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it. Hallelujah. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Praise Did we pray for uh, Sister Emily tonight? Yes. Okay, good. I want to make sure we did that. I'm believing God for her miracle. And I know that God can do anything. There's nothing he cannot do. And I'm glad that we also have prayed for several other very serious needs. And we know that God is with us. You know, with God, one miracle is no harder than another. And so I thank God that he has the power to heal, to save, and to deliver. Praise God. Are we having power hour tonight? Okay, I think I'll play a song while... The kids uh, go for power hour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a prayer answering God. Hallelujah, he's a prayer answering God. Oh, yes, he is, because we prayed in Jesus' name. And by faith, the answer came. Oh, hallelujah, he's a prayer answering God. Would you lift your voice and sing with me? Hallelujah. He's a prayer and stream God. Oh, hallelujah. He's a prayer and stream God. We prayed in Jesus' name. And by faith the answer came. Oh, hallelujah. He's a prayer answering God. He's never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet. Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. And everywhere I go, I want the world to know that Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet. Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. And everywhere I go, I want the world to know that Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. Hallelujah.
praise God. Amen. Now, we come to the Word of God. It's good to have our uh, guests with us all the way from the county tonight, Brother Leroy and, and uh, Sister Goodwin. God bless you. Good to see you tonight. Hallelujah. And all the folks who are here by way of online, we're going to study the Word of God for the next few moments. And if you have your Bibles, you can at least get them out. And that'll give you a sense that we are about to start, which we are. Tonight, my lesson is on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Those of you who understand this, uh, God will always give you something more. Those of you who do not understand it, God will give you a revelation tonight of Jesus Christ. Our English language King James Version Bible has a total of 773,692 words. And there are 929 chapters in the 39 books of the Old Testament, 260 chapters in the 27 books of the New Testament. And this book is really, although the, the title of the last book of the Bible is called The Revelation of Jesus Christ, sometimes it says The Revelation of, of John, because John's the one who was used as the writer, but it's really The Revelation of Jesus Christ, as said in the first verse of Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. But in reality, the entire Bible, every word of this precious book, really could be called the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and then I'm going to let you be seated. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God bless you. You may be seated. It is without question the most important revelation of all revelations to understand who God is. I'm teaching people who are watching by way of Facebook and I'm teaching people in this building. Some may be miles and miles away and indeed they are. But tonight I'm asking everyone to stop what they're doing for a few moments and I'm going to teach on the most important subject of the entire Bible, and that is the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you if you would do something with me. I'm going to ask that you lay aside your prejudices, your biases, and all your biblical knowledge of who you think Jesus is. And I want you just to lay that beside you for a moment. And I would like for us to take a walk through the Bible and let the Bible tell us who Jesus is. Those of you who know the answer should be with me tonight in spirit and believing God because somebody God wants to give a revelation to of himself. So I'm going to let the word of God give us a word picture of who God is. You'd be surprised at how many kids grew up in Pentecost and have never received their own personal revelation of who Jesus is. And how many people are sitting in a pew in a Pentecostal church that really have never received the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here we go. I'm going to the word of God and I'm not going to read all 700 and something thousand verses in the Bible. And I will be watching you to see if you are listening. And I will try to bring you what I believe God wants us to have tonight. So here I am. I know nothing about the Bible. And I grab this book and I say, okay, I want to know who God is. I want to know how many gods there are. I want to know what is his or their names I need to know, so I, I take the Bible, and with most books, I usually start with chapter one. I usually don't delve into a book by reading halfway or three quarters of the end. I usually start at the beginning so I can begin to understand. And so I start with the Bible, and I am a traveler. I need to know who God is. So the first thing I read is, in the beginning, God. 
In chapter 1, verse 2, it says, the Spirit of God. Right away, I notice it does not say the gods, but it says, in the beginning, God. Verse 2 says, the Spirit of God. Verse 3 says, God said. Verse 4 says, God saw. And verse 5 says, God called. And so here I am trying to figure out who is the deity anyway. And I'm beginning to read about a God. A God who was in the beginning, who said, saw, and called. And then I get to verse 26, which is a stumbling block for some people. And it says, and God said. Notice it doesn't say the gods said. It says God said. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Right away, even though you might find it a little bit confusing, I understand that it says let us make man in our image, not in our images. And I notice that it says after our likeness, singular, not after our likenesses, plural. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. I'm glad that God gave us authority over creeps. Well, that's a side message, but we'll stay with this one. He said, I, I want you to take dominion over every creep. Every creeping thing. You know, I said that kind of jestingly, but I know that some of you have been going through the battle of your life with spiritual warfare. And the creep I'm referring to is the devil. And God has given us dominion and authority over him. All right. Verse 27 explains verse 26. When people read 26, verse, chapter 1, verse 26 of Genesis, and they don't read the 27th verse, they're probably going to be confused because verse 27 explains verse 26. So God, not the gods, God created man. In his own image, not in their own images, in his own image, singular, in the image of God created he, not they, created he, him. Male and female created he, them. So if someone's thinking because verse 26 says... Let us make man our image that it's indicating that there's more than one God or a plurality of gods. They're not reading verse 27 because the Bible says, so God created man in his own image, all singular. Now, I, I love this verse of scripture. It's a wonderful verse if you understand it. When you're reading verse uh, chapter one, verse 26, the original Hebrew word for God actually throughout all of Genesis chapter 1, is Elohim. Elohim. It is the word that's translated God in English, but in Hebrew it is Elohim. And when the Bible uses this term, it is denoting the plurality of power of God, not a plurality of persons in the Godhead. That is not so. It is denoting a plurality of powers. And did you know that kings down through history have referred to themselves in the plural because they said their power was so great that referring to them in the singular did not do them justice. Queen Victoria one time said, when someone, gave a, uh, someone told a joke she didn't appreciate, she said something about that joke did not satisfy us. And she was talking about herself. It is what is known as the majestic plural or the royal plural. And it has been used by sovereigns whose powers are many. Now I'll leave that in just a moment. 
And I'll come back and show you why I wanted to tell you that. Because in Genesis 1.26, Elohim is the term used, and it says, let us make man in our image. Keep that in mind. It's Elohim, denoting the many powers of God. Okay, so we're going to the Bible. Our next step, our next stop is at the burning bush where God met with Moses in Exodus 3.14. And God, oh, I have to tell you, and Elohim said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thou shalt, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Now, you may not care to know, but I care to tell you. In the Hebrew, when it says, I am that I am, those of you who attend this church know that he said, a a yay, assure, a a yay. And it is the Hebrew for, I am that I am. And the little term I am is a a yay. A a yay. It'll make sense in a moment. So, we leave there and we go to the Ten Commandments. Now, you can either watch this online or take notes. But I think this is not just important for you. It's important for whoever you're going to explain it to. We go to the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2. And the very first commandment of the Ten Commandments is in verse 3. But we'll preface it with verse 2. I am... A, a, yea. The Lord thy God, or in the Hebrew, Yahweh thy Elohim, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, this is the first of the Ten Commandments. And so we're reading and we're watching and we're learning about this God. In the beginning, God. God created man in his image. I am that I am. The first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now we go to the passage of Scripture that the Old Testament Israelite was commanded to have in his heart. He was commanded to teach this passage diligently unto his children. And parents, we need to be teaching this to our children. When sitting in his house, he's supposed to tell his children this. When going for a walk, he was supposed to mention it during the walk. When the child lie down to go to bed at night, the last thing he heard was what I'm going to share with you, the Bible says. And the first thing that the child would hear upon rising in the morning is found in Deuteronomy 6.4. This was the thing that was told to the children. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And so in the Hebrew, they would say, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Achad. And they were to say it in the morning. They were to say it when they went for walks. They, they were to say it when they put the child to bed at night. This is the way it is still spoken today by the Orthodox Jew. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Akkad. But I want to share the story behind the story. You ready? Somewhere along in history, it wasn't always this way, the Jews began to believe that the name of God was so sacred that it should never and must never be spoken. That is not what God had commanded in the Old Testament, by the way. He taught them to call upon the name of the Lord. But somewhere along the way, some rabbi began to teach that the name of God was too sacred to be spoken by human lips. 
So the name of Yahweh or Jehovah as an English-speaking person would pronounce it was considered too holy to be framed into human language. So instead of Yahweh, the vowels were removed and it became an unpronounceable series of letters, Y-H-W-H. Anybody want to try pronouncing that? There's no vowel, so it's, in, it's unpronounceable, and that's why they made it that way. They took the vowels out because they thought that the name of God was too holy to be pronounced by human mouth. And so Y-H-W-H was so holy that they said, okay, we're not even going to we're not even going to try to pronounce a different pronunciation. We're just going to call that Adonai. So when you heard me quoting Deuteronomy 6.4, I was quoting it the way that the Jews quote it to this day, using the word Adonai. Shema Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu. Adonai Achad. But I love when I look into the scripture and I realize that although they were trying to protect the name of God, what they did was they hid the meaning of Deuteronomy 6.4. Because as it is written in your Bible and in my Bible, it does not say Shema Yisrael Adonai. Adonai was the word that they used to replace the name, the unspeakable name of God. But in the Bible, it says, Shema Israel, Yahweh, our Elohim, is one Yahweh. I, I don't know if you got that or not. I think some of you did. If you did, don't just treat this as old hat. I don't care if you've known it for 25 years. The word of God that God said, I want it said in the morning. I want it said at the table. I want it said when you're walking down the path. I want it said when you go to bed at night. I want you to make sure that your children know. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh, or as the English-speaking people would say, Jehovah, our Elohim, which is the same one that the word that was used in Genesis 1.26. So people are wondering what does it mean, let us make God, uh, uh, God says, let us make man in our image? Well, Deuteronomy 6.4 explains that. It says, hear, O Israel, Jehovah, our Elohim, is one Jehovah. I, I, this is going to be so important for somebody. And I pray that if you do understand it, that you would be praying under your breath because somebody needs to hear this tonight. Next, we go to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10. Some of you could quote this, but I'm going to put it up on the board and I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Notice the word Lord is all caps. That means it's Yahweh or Jehovah in English. Thus saith Jehovah, my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. So here's this guy. He's picked up the book, in the beginning, God. He's read, thou shalt have no other gods before me. He's heard and read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And now he gets into the book of Isaiah, and that one Lord says, I am he. Before me, there was no God formed. Neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Notice the terminology used in Isaiah 43, verse 10 and 11. Hear me carefully. He said, there's no God before me, there's no God after me, and there's no God beside me. I, even I, am Yahweh. 
I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Wow. So we're reading through the Word of God, and it's just getting more explicit and more detailed as we go. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith Jehovah, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, Jehovah of hosts. Notice both those words, Lord, are all caps. That's why it doesn't say, we are the first. It says, I am the first, and I am the last. And beside me, hey, wait a minute, God, you already said that. But it's important to me, God says. And I want to say it again. Beside me, there is no God. Verse 8, fear you not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? You are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Notice what Yahweh Jehovah says. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Ladies and gentlemen, if God doesn't know about another God beside him, then you can't possibly know about another God beside him. But it gets more interesting as you go. We get into Isaiah chapter 44. Stay with me now. Don't let yourself be distracted. In verse 24, thus saith Yahweh Jehovah, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am Yahweh Jehovah that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Look what Jehovah says. He says, I created the heavens alone. I spread abroad the earth by myself. But let's not stop. Let's keep going. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5. I am Yahweh Jehovah. And there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, or I am Yahweh Jehovah, and there is none else. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, verse 18, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He established it, to, he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Do you think God might be trying to make a point here? I mean, he's repeating himself multiple times. He keeps saying, I'm the Lord. There's nobody else up here. I'm the Lord. I did it all by myself. I'm the Lord. I did all this stuff. Nobody else, just me. Verse 21, tell ye and bring them near. Let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And here it is again. There is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. Yahweh Jehovah says, I am the Savior, and there is none beside me. Verse 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. How many times is God going to repeat this over and over and over and over? It must be very, very important because God certainly knows he's already said it umpteen times, but he keeps repeating it, and for good reason. Chapter 46, verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. Are you kidding me? He says it again, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like you think I repeat myself. So all through the Old Testament, God is laying out this, this identification. He said, I want to tell you that in the beginning, it was God. I want to tell you that the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, don't you even think about having another God. I, I want you to put this 
on a, in a box on your forehead and put it on your wrist and I want you to write it upon the, the, the post of your house and I want you to write it on, on the gates of your house and, and, and I want you to tell your kids when they get up in the morning and when they sit down to eat and when you go for a walk and when they go to bed at night. What do you want us to tell them? Tell them, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This must be very important to God. And so now we get in our time capsule and we go into the New Testament and we land in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, where it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. What? I've read umpteen scriptures that says Jehovah is the Savior and there's no other Savior but him. But now in Matthew 1, 21, it says, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. He shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Okay, now I get it. I understand because God's not going to change in the New Testament and say, I was just kidding in the Old Testament. I actually didn't know what I was talking about. No, he's continuing on with the same thing he said in the Old Testament when he gets to the New Testament and he says, now look, you're going to give birth to a child. We're going to call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sin. But I'll tell you something. Don't worry, Mary. Don't worry, Joseph. It's okay. It's Emmanuel. It's God come to be with us. That's what Emmanuel means. God with us. I believe in the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And I understand that the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are titles of the very same God. Just like I'm father, son, and husband. But my name is Rick Stoops. Don't turn me in. But God is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And in the Old Testament, he went by many different names, but his principal name in the Old Testament was Yahweh Jehovah. That was the main name that he used. And Ehaye, I am. Then when we get to the New Testament, the Bible says, you're going to call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. But don't worry, it's Emmanuel, God with us. But to help us understand, God sent the archangel Gabriel. Gabriel, listen to what Gabriel said. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, there is a revelation that Gabriel give, gave to us. And the angel answered, that's Gabriel, and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. I want you to notice that Gabriel defined the term Son of God. He said, Mary, that holy thing which shall be born of thee, the part that's coming from you, shall be called the Son of God. That holy thing which shall be born of thee, Mary, that's what is going to be called the Son of God. And notice that in the Scripture that every time you read about the Son of God, you're going to read about the humanity of Christ, the blood of Christ, the cross of Christ, the burial of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. You're going to read about Jesus weeping. You're going to read about his compassion. You're going to read about his suffering. And his victory. Every time you read about the Son of God, it is always in reference to the humanity because Gabriel said, That holy thing which shall be born of thee, Mary, that's what's going to be called the Son of God. But fused together, permanently and forever. It would be the only time that God would do this. That he would fuse with a human 
And it would no longer be just the Son of God, but it would be the Father also. And forever they would be fused together. That you would never, ever see this change. And this is why the disciples had this unique conversation with Jesus. It's in John chapter 14, verse 7. Jesus said, if you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Well, you talk about some confused looks on their faces. Because they didn't have the revelation yet themselves. He said, listen. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from now on, from henceforth, you know him and you have seen, you've seen him. See, the Bible clearly tells us that God is a spirit, John 4, 24. I don't have this on the notes. The Bible clearly tells us in 1 Timothy 1, 17, that the spirit of God is invisible. So Jesus said, if you'd known me, you would have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and you've seen him. What do you mean? The only part of the Spirit of God that you will ever see is the glorified body of Jesus Christ. All the power and the radiance of the presence of God flows from the Lord Jesus. But they didn't get it. So Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it suffieth us, or it will satisfy us. Look what Jesus says again. Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Philip had just got through saying, show us the Father. We've been hearing you in my Father's house for many mansions, and we've, we've heard you talking about your Father. We'd really like for you to say, and he, and he looks at Philip, and he says, have I been so long time with you, and you still don't know who I am? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Verse 10 says, believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? See, it's the fusion of human and deity. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but what? But the Father that, what? Dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. That holy thing which shall be born of thee, Mary, shall be called the Son of God. But living inside that Son of God, the Father dwelleth in me, he said. He is doing the works. Oh, now understand, Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Hey, everybody quotes that at Christmas time, and very few people understand it. Not one time is Jesus ever called the Eternal Son in the Bible. He's called the only begotten son. Begotten is past participle of beget. It means human birth. It's the only time that God would ever take on a permanent human form. The only begotten son. It doesn't say the only eternal son, but it does say about that one who is the begotten son. I'll give you a little secret. This guy that comes as the only begotten son, this is the mighty God. This is the everlasting Father. This is the Prince of Peace. Oh my God, I don't know if you still get it. I don't know if you even care or not. But I'm one of these preachers that believes that this is the most exciting and important revelation in the entire Bible. Because if you can know who Jesus is, you can just about figure out anything else. But if you don't know who Jesus is, you're in a mess. You say, are you sure, Brother Stoops? Well, the Bible's pretty clear. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling, himself, reconciling the world unto himself. See, 
when we get this idea that there's three separate, watch my little display here. When we picture God as being more than one, not picking on anybody, just want to share it with you. We get into trouble because it is not what the Bible teaches. See, there's a doctrine today that says that Jesus came down from heaven to earth to reconcile men, men and women back to the Father who was still in heaven. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. It was not the Son reconciling the world back to the Father. It was the Father who came in the Son to talk to men and women and boys and girls and say, listen, we've been apart. We've been alienated. I have come to reconcile you back to me. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Not one time in the Bible, remember, is Jesus called the eternal son. He's called the only begotten son because it's referring to that which was born of Mary, but inside that human body was the everlasting Father, the mighty God, that he went through so much trouble all through the Old Testament showing us that there was only one mighty God, only one everlasting Father. You see, I believe it just like the Bible teaches it in 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, I'm waiting on you, 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, without argument. Great is the mystery of godliness. We'll grant you that. It's a great mystery. But here's the mystery. God was manifest in the flesh. That wasn't just anybody. That was that God who said all through the Old Testament, I did all this by myself. Isn't it something Isaiah says that Jehovah Yahweh created all things alone, did it all by himself. And John chapter 1 says that Jesus created all things and without him was not anything made that was made. There is no discrepancy. The Jesus of the new is the Yahweh of the old come in flesh. It's the Father in the Son and sending forth his Spirit. By the way, what is the Holy Spirit? If I understand right, Ephesians chapter 4 says there's only one spirit. Am I correct in that? Yeah, Ephesians 4, 4 says there's one spirit. Corinthians says now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hmm, sounds like he's talking about Jesus. And then Jesus in the upper room after the resurrection breathes upon his disciples and says these words, receive ye the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but I get the clear direction that he thought that his breath was the Holy Ghost because he breathed upon them and he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. So the breath of Jesus is the Holy Ghost. By the way, what is a ghost? Hold on, what's a ghost? Some of you guys know it's the spirit of a departed one. So who's the Holy Ghost? The only one who ever died for you. So the Holy Ghost is also the spirit of Jesus. I just think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing when you begin to realize that it's all in him. The fullness of the Godhead dwelleth bodily in him. I come to John chapter 8, and you're doing so good listening. 
that I won't be too much longer. In John chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus makes this startling statement. He said, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Now, I know on the board you can't see it because when it printed it, it didn't print it like the King James Version of the Bible prints it. But if you're looking at a King James Version of the Bible, which is the authorized version, and I use others for comparison, but you'll notice that the word he is in italics. When you're looking at John 8, 24, that word he is squiggly. It's in italics, which means that the translators added that word to make it more congruous to the English language. But in the original language of the Bible, Jesus said, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am. Because the he is not in the original text. If you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. Jesus claimed to be I am. Matter of fact, in the Hebrew, he said, if you believe not that Ehaye, the same term that God used at the burning bush with Moses, if you believe not that Ehaye, you shall die in your sins. Somebody says, are you sure? Yeah, very sure. Three verses later in verse 27, it just simply says, they understood not that he spake to them of the Father. He said, except you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. And three verses later, it says, and they understood not that he spake to them of the Father. But are you sure? Oh, yeah. Skip down to the latter part of chapter 8 and go all the way down to the end of verse 56, and then it caps it wonderfully. Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, <laughs> thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, eh, hey, hey. He didn't say before Abraham was, I was. Because that's not what he's saying. You have to know the Hebrew behind it. You have to know the title that God used, one of his most holy titles in the Old Testament, was you go tell that Pharaoh that the I am has sent you. And Jesus stands there and says, before Abraham was, eh, yeah. before Abraham was, I am. Did they know what he was saying? Earlier they didn't understand that he spake to them of the Father. But did they understand it this time? Well, watch and see. Verse 59. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going to the midst of them, and so passed by. They understood what he was saying. He said, before Abraham was, hey, 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 and they're looking for rocks. I'll stone you. I'll smash your head. You're blaspheming. You're saying that you're the hey, hey, hey. You're saying that you're the I am. And that's exactly what he was saying. Oh, wow. Cast upon the Isle of Patmos, banished for life. John the Beloved had been, according to history, boiled in a vat of oil. But God had miraculously preserved his life. And I want to read just a little snippet of something that happened on the Isle of Patmos. Only read three verses. You're still with me, right? Chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation... And in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest write in a book, send it to the seven churches 
which are in Asia, under Ephesus, under Smyrna, under Pergamos, under Thyatira, under Sardis, under Philadelphia, and under Laodicea. Now, when God introduces himself to John, he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And immediately John, who was a man of God and he understood the word of God, his mind goes back to what the Bible had said in Isaiah 44, 6 that I read to you a little earlier where the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, or Yahweh Jehovah, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last and beside me there is no God. And now this man in, in bright, shining light is standing beside him and, and he sees this person and he says, to him, I'll let you know who I am. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the first and I am the last. And now John says, oh, this has got to be Yahweh Jehovah because I've already read what Isaiah said about it. And the Bible starts to give the description. Verse 14, and his head and his hair were like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass. And as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him, I tell you people, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. At this moment in time, that beautiful personage, the glorified Jesus Christ, says, John, don't you worry. I am the first and I am the last. And John is trying to see, but it's blinding light. And by the way, Jesus didn't look the same after the resurrection. Even Mary didn't recognize him. John described him as having white hair and his face was so bright. It was like the noonday sun. And, and, and John has heard the voice of this one saying, I'm the first and the last. And John is squinting and he's looking. He's, he's trying to put it all together. He said, John, don't you know I'm he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Making the Jehovah of the Old Testament and the Jesus of the New one and the same. If we ever get to the day that we lay this book aside and we join the denominal world and we look for a church that has a good praise team or we look for a church that has an interesting pastor or we look for a, a place where the building is just exactly the kind of building we want or the services they render are so humanitarian and yet they do not know this God that was Father in creation, Son in redemption, the Holy Ghost in our hearts. They do not know that the Spirit of Jesus is the Holy Spirit and that there's only one Spirit. Peter stood trembling and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. Folks, that's not saying that Peter was the first pope. That's not saying that Peter was the, the one upon whom the church would be built. It was the revelation that Peter had. That this one standing before him was the Christ. Every Jew knew that when the Christ came, the Christ had to be one and the same with Almighty God because it was paganism to believe in any more than one. Hallelujah. But Jesus said, I will build my church upon this rock. 
the understanding, the revelation of who God is. Thank you, Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me right now in prayer? Lord, tonight on this Wednesday night, I have brought, I believe, the most important message of the Bible. I've tried to lay it out as concisely, clearly, without going too long to wear on people's patience. But Lord, I pray now that the revelatory Spirit of God would come down in this place. God, I believe that in the last day you have designated that this revelation would come to all men. And I give you praise. Let it come now to these precious people who are with us online and with these people who are here in this building. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Somebody says, well, it really doesn't make a whole lot of difference. It doesn't, huh? Let me ask you this. You married people out there. If the husband comes home from work, drives into the driveway, comes bounding up the steps, his wife meets him with a hug and a kiss and says, I've got supper prepared for you. He says, oh, sweetheart, you shouldn't. But I did because I love you. Halfway through the meal, the wife starts getting fidgety. She starts tapping her foot. She starts looking at her watch. And finally, the husband looks at his wife and he says, there's something obviously agitating you. What's wrong? She says, well, it's just that you're my husband, the provider, and my husband, the romancer, is going to show up pretty soon. And you need to be out of here when he gets here. And he says, honey, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what your thinking process, but, but I do a lot of things for you. I, I am the one that's in love with you. I'm also your provider. And then a little bit later on, she says to her husband, the romancer, uh, you need to leave. The husband that's the father of my children will be showing up here pretty quick. You got to go. And he says, honey, I'm very frustrated. I'm trying to let you understand. I do all these things for you, but I'm the same person. Listen, how can God be Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? I will tell you in the same way that he can be the lily of the valley and the bright and morning star. I will tell you that the same one who is the root and the offspring of Jesse. Listen, just watch me. The root and the offspring of Jesse. Same one. How can he be the door of the sheepfold? And the good shepherd. And the Lamb of God. It gets confusing, doesn't it? Because you're trying to put God in a little box. And you're trying to say, God, you do this, but that's all you can do. You have to have help. Listen, let me tell you something. Anytime you say that God had to have assistance in anything he did, you have robbed him of his deity. Because to be deity means you can do anything, no matter how hard, completely unassisted, like the word of God says, by himself. Is it possible a person can be religious and not have a revelation of who Jesus is? Oh, I got it. Saul of Tarsus, the strictest sect of Judaism, a Pharisee, who fasts and prays enough to put all of us to shame. On his way to Damascus with letters to put Christians to death. Those heretics. They ought to know that Jesus is a phony. There's only one Yahweh, Jehovah. I'll fix them. And he stood and he held the coats while they stoned Stephen to death. 
But on the road to Damascus, a bright light appears and knocks him to the ground. And he is blinded by this brilliant light. And the voice says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And the voice of God, to Saul's complete astonishment, answered, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Saul said, who are you, Lord? In the Hebrew, he said, who are you, Yahweh? He actually uses the word Yahweh. Who are you, Yahweh? I can't see. I, I thought I was doing the will of God. He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. You see, this truth is so important to God that he takes the entire Bible to explain it. Folks, what is important to God needs to be important to us. Down from his glory Ever living story My God and Savior came And Jesus was his name Born in a manger to his own a stranger a man of sorrow tears and agony oh how I love how I adore him. He's my breath and he's my sunshine, my all and all. The great creator became my savior. And all God's fullness dwelleth in him. Without resistance, flesh and blood, his substance, he took the form of man. Reveal God's hidden plan, oh glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary. And now I know He is the great. Sunshine, my all and all, the great creator became my savior, and all God's fullness dwelleth. you stand with me? If you understand it, would you lift your voices and would you thank God for this revelation? If you don't understand it, would you lift your hands and ask God to give you this revelation? Oh yes, Jesus. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know there may be someone watching online that you might be wondering, why would we take an entire Bible study to talk about this? Because it's so important that we understand who Jesus is. And I, for one, am thankful. Would you just lift your voices and your hands right now, whether you be online with us or in the building, and would you just thank God right now? The mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He. The everlasting Father. The King eternally. The wonderful in wisdom by whom all things were made. The fullness of the Godhead in Jesus is displayed. Oh, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead, and it's all in Him. Oh, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in Him. Just, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I wonder, is there anybody here tonight that maybe God gave you a fresh insight into who Jesus is? If he did, I want you just to come down to the front and shout hallelujah. If God gave you a fresh insight, if he showed you again the mighty God in Christ, hallelujah, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. He's more than just a story. He's the King of glory. And I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Oh, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. He's more than just a story. King of glory, and I'm glad I know who Jesus is. One more time. Oh, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. He's more than just a story. He's the King of glory, and I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Oh, he's more than just a story. He's the King of glory, and I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Let's praise him one more time. Jesus, I love you, God. the power of your word. 